his attacking the the basket. I know I know he's making all these threes and stuff, but to me, when you see a confident guy, when he sees a seam and he's blasting down there and and uh, out in transition and he's you know he's running the lane to the rim, um, to me that that shows that he's really really engaged in the game. And and uh, listen, he's he had I don't know how many he made tonight. He made. Uh, Six threes and at least two of the other three misses went in and out. Like he was, he was dialed in there for sure. I got a bag full coming right away, and I'm counting money up night and day. That's what he's talking about. He's Norman Powell. Give him the rock. Understand the grind. Going so fast, ain't no catching up. We going. Welcome to Toronto Basketball Matters podcast number 82, where I'm joined with the usual trifecta to my left. Christian Wolfgang Graffin. How you doing, buddy? Good, good. How are you? I'm fantastic. How's your week been, sunshine? Fucking freezing. It's, yeah, not uh, enough sunshine. I've been uh, shoveling snow and avoiding the cold the entire uh, the entire weekend up till now. To be fair, you do have a pretty tiny driveway, so it hasn't been as horrendous as, as it could be. I was mentioning earlier, I've now started an Airbnb in my basement. Special rates if you say T-Sport matters, by the way. Um, <laughs> if you decide to uh, open an Airbnb, you got to shovel everything the sideway the the, the 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 deck in the back that leads to the door or else your ass gonna get sued saturday i was shoveling all day mm. long that's it just screaming at her about like hot takes about kyrie irving um <laughs> exactly. to his right directly across from it is gregory your shot us greg how you been brother how's your week been I've been all right. Same thing. Just trying to stay warm right here in uh, snowy Toronto. But you know what? It, it's actually our first real, you know, sense of winter so far. So we, we've got pretty like I think it's going to be a, like a brutally cold March, but we'll see what happens. Thumbs up for global warming. Yeah. Mother <laughs> nature, the green eyed slut. Alrighty. Quarter number one, Toronto Raptors. Let's get straight to the topic at hand. Uh, big win over the Atlanta Hawks last night. Uh, any highlights, lowlights of that game, as well as the last couple weeks of basketball? Any takeaways, boys? Trey Young, nutmegging. Fred Van Vliet. That's like the hardest person in the league to nutmeg. Yeah. I mean, Ronda Hollis Jefferson got it done to him by Harden, but... But, like, he's tall, right? So, like, it, there's a bigger, like, you know, there's less margin for error. Like, Van Vliet is so short that it's like... It, it, it's like him or Isaiah Thomas. Like, can, yeah. can you get it through there? That's like a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. No, Trey Young had a great game, but it's weird. It was a win, but it kind of felt like a loss to me. I mean, obviously, we, we were up by quite a bit. We let that lead kind of slip. If it wasn't for Norman Powell catching fire there i mean he hit what four threes in a row he made lowry boucher everybody on the bench pretty much danced so again i mentioned this at the start of the year both of you two fools we laughed at you laughed at me because i mentioned that the most important or most exciting thing i'm looking forward to revisionist history by the way (laughs) was norman powell taking the next step and hey honestly like i obviously the injuries helped Uh, the injuries got, got him i think the confidence to start taking a lot more shots. And honestly, we just needed him to. And now that everyone's back, he's still in that mindset. He's still in that. And I hate it. This would be my grip. I hate how we still call him playoff pal. It's we so, don't. It's, Matt, Matt Devlin does. I fucking hate that. It's so annoying. He's not. Again, you're just basically saying he's good in the playoffs only. And oh my God, we get to see a glimpse of it right now. Yeah. It's like, no, like the guy's actually been consistent. If you look at the numbers last week in the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, it went to Ben Simmons. 
he was three and one. He had decent numbers, but it's Ben Simmons. As Jordan Henry would say, he's a quadruple yeah, single master. Yeah. Um, look at Norman Powell last week, 28, 20. We went three and oh, all On the high injuries. efficiency. Exactly. And that's the difference is he's not just chucking it like he used to in the past. He's so, actually chucking it and, and hitting with efficiency. Like you no, said. this is the best I've seen him as a pro. This is by the far, best I've seen far. him as a pro. I mean, I mean, I would go as far to say, and you know, maybe this is more like something I should for get all our the credit for it for our take shop <laughs> is uh, that he's our best pure scorer. Norman Powell right now is our best pure scorer. I think Pascal Siakam is a better overall playmaker, but in terms of scoring the ball. He seems to be the best it's, at it right now. It's definitely up for discussion. So let's kind of continue this Norman Powell this conversation. So a much maligned figure in the Raptors within the last few years, especially. Um, mentioned shows up in the playoffs, playoff Powell, sort of a dud in the regular season, putting up an absolutely stellar season right now. Uh, we're averaging, what, what's he doing? He's 15.8 points per game, just but under lately, four rebounds. Uh, lately, lately, just playing some fantastic basketball as well. What is, like, is he a stopgap in the shooting guard position? Um, like, is he a legitimate two guard on a playoff contending team like the Toronto Raptors? Um, and also, what do you view, like, what, where do we, is where is he best suited? Coming off the bench, being a spark plug score out of Terrence Ross, or do you see him being part of a core five starting rotation? For me, he's part of that core starting five, simply because of his defense. Uh, I, I do think, as much, good, look, Fred Van Vliet is leading the league in steals, I think, right now, or he's at least up there. He's not a defensive liability, but you can't ignore the size. Mm -hmm. If there's a mismatch, Norman Powell should be out there guarding that one of the better players on the other. Okay, team, so maybe maybe crunch time lineup five. Again, it's very matchup dependent because him and Fred Van Vliet can sort of swap in and out. And again, mm -hmm. I would I would argue to say he's there instead of OG because OG's been the one that's you know he'd play three right now instead of the two almost Powell for me because you have Red Van Vliet playing the two and you have uh, Lowry playing the one. Greg, can he sustain this level of play? Is this what something? Is this something we can expect but, out of him moving forward, or is this sort of an aberration? A hot couple of weeks, maybe we'll go back to this, the old Norman Powell. But this, the answer to that, dictates the answer to the first question you asked us, which is like, you know, can we? As can any team succeed if he's like your go-to shooting guard? And I think the answer is dependent. Well, once say go-to shooting guard, if he's fifth, your, fifth, if he's your fifth starting, best, if he's your fifth guard. best player on the court, let's put it that way. If he has as big of a role that he does, right, with our team. Now, the question is, can he do this consistent? Like, is this him breaking through? Right, because that, that was obviously this, the biggest issue Norman Powell yeah. was the inconsistency in the past. You know, going weeks and maybe having a couple hot games and again fading away in the obscurity for a couple of weeks. Because can he sustain this? This was always his upside. And that's why the Raptors gave him that contract yeah, with the four right? forty four. Uh, the the because he's an NBA athlete, nobody can block his shot. He goes downhill as good as anybody does. He's he's a former track star, and he plays like it. Right, Kevin, Kevin Herter was his hand was directly pretty much in his face for some of those threes yeah, and, yesterday. And he yeah, still and that, right, he's no so, slouch of a defender. No, not but, at all. But now, so you know, my point: if this is the Norman Powell that we're getting, I think. Yeah, like like he's a definite starter on a very good team. Uh, the issue is like like he he's been able to do this uh, because of uh, you mentioned the injuries, like because he hasn't like at the start of the year he didn't play well because he was going for the starting position. He didn't get the, the starting two guard position and he regressed. Then when the injuries came up, all of a sudden it was like he had his chance. Okay, uh, can we let's go into that for a second? So obviously one of the bigger themes coming in are going 
into the season in the season with the Raptors has been our issues with injury um, obviously Fred Van Vliet Pascal Siakam Serge Ibaka Marcus Gasol Kyle Lowry have missed time with injury and a lot of really you know nice prospects guys who relegated the bench 11, 12 even 13th guy off the bench have been playing some pretty stellar Terrence Davis minutes. guys like Terrence Davis Chris Boucher mm-hmm. Patrick McCaw etc it seems like everybody's back and healthy the team is back together who is uh, somebody that you see losing minutes with a healthy unit and are any of these players or even someone part of our core rotation bench unit expendable in a potential package to bring in some sort of additional help well, and support? I mean, you've already seen it, right? Like certain guys are now getting less time. Like Chris Boucher is a prime example because uh, Siakam and, and Ibaka are, are back. I think the answer to your second question depends on what the Raptors are ultimately trying to do. Are you trying to build for the future or are you trying to compete this year? If you're trying to compete for uh, and defend... But I'm talking about, like, are you trying to defend your championship this year? If you're trying to defend the championship this year, then you have to think or open up the possibility of trading someone like Terrence Davis, who shows a lot of upside, right? Versus trading a Kyle Lowry, right, for another, like, for some young pieces that would fit within the timeline that that Van Vliet has and Davis, uh, Siakam, etc. So it, it depends. Like, apparently, we're buyers right now. This is what Woj has been putting out there. The Raptors are, are you know, have been involved in trade talks with, with various teams and that we're apparently not just wanting to be sellers. I don't know, right? Like, no one really knows, but seeing how good they are, they're a few. They're a piece or two away. I think. Um, like part of the reason why we've been so bad in the fourth quarter, we don't have again. Like we don't have really uh, a lot of players that can create their own shot. Like right. And this is what it comes down to. That when why we've lost to Miami in tight games. Right. Like we 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 don't have those guys that can elevate and in those final minutes get you those buckets. That's why I think for to move the needle, you have to make a fairly big trade. And I don't know if that's out there or if that would uh, get us uh, some salary issues going into the Giannis free agency sweepstakes, right? So it's it's t- it's tough decision. Don't forget, last year a lot of people were saying that the trade with Giannis for Marcus Saul was arguably not even an upgrade. They were, you know, when the trade first went down. Yeah, I mean, where is Jovan? But there were people, not just Jovan. I mean, honestly, there was On a lot this of Raptors podcast, fans was that were saying that JV is, belo- again, he's having the best year of his. Why are we doing this? Mark's so old. Are we really going to go all in? Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of small things we see. You're right. We have to get someone who can actually move the needle a little bit, like a Marcus Saul. Yeah, like but I don't think we're going to get like a Bradley Beal, which I seem like you're hinting. Drew Holiday, at. man. Drew Holiday is who, I, is who I. But how would you trade Norman cards, Powell for Drew Holiday? How many point cards could you have on your? Do you want to be the New York Knicks but of point guards? He, but but he would be right now. Like a lot of teams are playing that three point guard lineup. Like he he would be a, like a shooting guard. He's big enough to to play the shooting guard. Like the issue is, would you trade Van Vliet or Powell and something to get Holiday? And that's where I guess I'm going with this. Powell right now has put his trade value through the roof. Through the roof. But now, do you trade him now, or do you, why would you trade him now when he's actually playing now? Finally, what you how you want to sell high by low? I mean, sell again, high. Yeah, yeah. This is what I'm thinking. I, I think my thoughts are that other teams that are going to be asking for the Raptors, who's expendable, who's not. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be asking about two people. I think it's going to be Norm Powell, simply based off of the fact that you said he can create his own shot. He's a scorer. He can. Yeah. No one. Norm Powell is 26 years old. Do you know how old Chris Boucher is? 27. He's 27. Yeah. He's older than Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Yeah. Chris uh, Boucher. Is. Yeah. So I've been saying this to people and they've been like, pardon, pardon me? Yeah. I thought he was a young budding yeah. 22 year old. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. Norm Powell is 26, has lots of room to grow. Mm-hmm. They're going to be asking about him and OG Ananobi. 
And yeah. I think OG's off, like, it's off the table. I don't think we trade him. If I'm Masai, I think they're both. Exp- I-, I would rather trade OG than Norm. No. Brandon. But, Brandon. But again, like, with the caveat of saying that we need to get something back that actually moves the needle. Because if you trade Norm, what realistic, like, I don't think you're tra- if you're trading the one player away that you kind of need to get back. You're not upgrading Norm. Well, you're you're giving up hypothetical upside instead of you know so, sort of knowing what you're getting with Norm Powell. But right? in my that's mind, that's what's enticing about OG. You have to include picks in my mind if you're getting rid of Norm to upgrade the two. Yeah, to get someone right? like so Holiday, like want, Powell and picks. I'm not. Uh, me and Messiah are on the same page. No, no picks, picks. Are, give, are given away. I mean, we have all our first round picks. Most well, of our second. Perfect. Right? All, yeah, and keep. We're saving keep, those for Giannis if we have to. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, like, yeah. In my mind, it's I think OG is the most expendable. Don't don't no. forget if 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 Rondé Hollis Jefferson comes in and takes the takes the three position away from him, the defense is there, the rebounding's there. If Norm plays the but three, he can't and shoot. Fred How, like Je- Jeff, you know what I mean? You know, like, but again, if if OG's a good three point shooter now, but and if look, Norm Powell, Fred VanVleet, and Kyle and Siakam are on the floor, why do we need Rondé shooting? It's all. It's also that OG fits Siakam's. T- I, I I think two players are are untouchable with, right now with the Raptors and trade talks, and nobody I guess is untouchable. Like if if you want to offer up Giannis for them, I'm sure they would do it. Right? It's OG and Siakam. I think everybody else is potentially available. The one that worries me the most, based purely off contract, is Fred VanVleet. He's a he's a he's a free agent at the end of the year, and and would every you, team is going to every team is going to want him. free agency offer for him, also so. shooting under forty percent from the field, swinging out there. But it's because we yeah, asked him to do too much, man. Yeah, no, we at, right like he's forced to t- take a lot of late sec- like like late shot clock chuck ups. Believe me, and a lot of players are shooting under forty percent that are considered good three point shooters in this league. So, but Carmelo yeah. Anthony isn't. Lighting it up in Portland right now, borderline all star, solidifying his name in the Hall of Fame. Last anyways, great American continue. ball hog. <laughs> no, so so, but but I mean, the issue that so, is right. Are we going to be, um, you know, who are we willing to give up, and is it worth the risk of breaking up the future for a run at? One of those L.A. teams, which are both monsters. Only time will tell. So jumping in the second quarter, we're going to go over some general NBA news. Two topics we want to get to. First one is something uh, we're going to... Greg's going to do his gripe about later, but we kind of want to touch on the surface. Um, So uh, Dr. Drew... Not Dr. Drew. What's his name again? Dr. Who? No. We played Drew something. Cat in the hat? Jesus Christ. Uh, Graffin, help me out here. Something Drew. What, what did he play? Oh, Uncle yeah. Drew. That's Uncle it. Drew. Dr. Drew. Dr. Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Drew. There we go. Uncle Drew, the uh, flat earth truther himself. Kyrie Irving has been in the news recently with uh, another sort of tumultuous, difficult, complex relationship with his teammates. He made a weird statement about Martin Luther King. I won't go into. Maybe Greg will talk in detail in a second. Foolish. Um, Kyrie Irving, obviously the number one pick in 2011 after starting a whopping 11 games for the Duke Blue Devils. We was a five-star recruit out of New Jersey, champion in 15-16, jump ship, forced a trade out of Cleveland to the Boston Celtics, and then I think a couple years later, Boston Celtics, he uh, sort of alienated the locker room and signed a four-year, $136 million After contract with the Brooklyn Nets. After saying he was going to commit, now he's in the third team, third uh, complex, difficult situation with a third team. So, uh, Greg, what are your takeaways from this? Specifically, uh, his, his complicated relationship with his teammates, his desire to be a superstar, um, as well as his comments regarding Martin Luther King. Look, uh, you know, Dr. Seuss has just run his course, right? Like, look, 
this is the third situation now where we've seen this kind of thing from Kyrie. After a while, you can't point your fingers at others, right? The guy obviously like has issues um, with, you know, it's it seems to be like a security thing, right? Uh, low self confidence, but you know he constantly feels attacked and then kind of like lashes out and puts his foot in his mouth. Similar to his buddy there, Kevin Durant. It's interesting that they well, found he each just, other. He, he's always going to constantly feel underappreciated. And I think he's the type of guy that just wants to be on like a bottom feeding team, averaging like 30 points per game. I agree. I feel like that's the perfect situation for Kyrie. No, perfect would be, I think, what he actually found, to be honest, like to be have a guy like KD there to that to back up his foolishness. No, the for him personally, it's obviously got to be LeBron and his time in, in Cleveland. But look, he he even remorsed on that, right? He said, oh, man, I was such a kid. I wanted my own team. Now I'm here. I am in Boston and shit. I didn't really look back and see how good I had it being the number two who was just relying on scoring. And LeBron handles everything else. Yeah, all the leadership He's the number stuff. Two, like until... Until Kevin Durant comes back and is able to play again and take some of the heat off Kyrie, he's going to be bitchy like this. You know what? He's leadership, like this. leadership is so it's like it's something that is hard. You know, in the modern analytics of the NBA, it's hard to quantify that in a number, right? But you look at someone like Chris Paul, you know that that goes to OKC and manages to get the best out of his teammates, irrespective of his own stat line, right? And then you see someone like Kyrie, and like he gets his buckets, but he doesn't make other people around him better necessarily right the 44 million going into chris paul's bank account helps well no but the like it's irres- like just irrespective of what you pay them like w- one is a more mature leader right and and understands like the human condition better and what bothers me the most about Kyrie is that he tries to like act intelligent like he's above everyone but he says the most redundant foolish shit like to the point when you can't help but laugh it's like he's doing it on purpose, trolling, trolling everyone, no, saying it's flat n- earth. Or it, like, I don't know if he even, I, I don't know. What's the resolution of that? Did he, does he actually think the, the earth was flat or is he just trolling? He's fucking just with trolling everyone? again. Like or did he just say he's fucking with everyone afterwards he, when we all called him an idiot? I'm, I'm pretty sure he's fucking with everybody. I can't tell with Kyrie. I don't know if he's uh, smart or stupid. I, I don't think he's a definition of, the, of like, Martin Luther King was trolling. I think it's just him being an idiot. What he's a he definition. Say? Yeah. He's a definition of a guy who, regardless of what situation he's at, he's in will always think he's the smartest guy in the room like that's him what, like, that's his, like, what his, his one year at Duke in like you know what I'm saying like going to some like basic communications classes for first year students gave him that idea that he's the smartest person in the room <laughs> like okay no, you know what he said relative to MLK he was likening his persecution by the media Persecution. Yes, which only came because Wait, of my name, things my, he said, right, to uh, Martin Luther King's persecution. This is a quote here. My name was given to me by my grandfather, and I'm very grateful, but it's in a lot of people's mouths. I've earned that because how great of a player I am. When I was out for those seven weeks, not saying anything about people, people are still saying things about me. It's inevitable. They crucify Martin Luther King for speaking about peace and social integration you can go back to historical leaders and great people in society that do great things and they're still t- going to talk shit about them. It is what it is. I know what I stand for. I'm a great family man. I have great values, core values. It's basketball stuff is a game at the end of the day. It's dramatized. It's entertainment for people and fans. I'm a human being at the end of the day. I'm going to keep reiterating that, but my job is to make sure my teammates are great and our organization is at a championship level. Could you imagine just being his teammate? when he walks in the locker room to be like hey man how's it going it's this it's similar to what happened with lebron last year when all the lakers kind of gave up on him after they found out that he was going to trade them right and they just stopped playing for him 
Uh, right? And they, they are, they're going to have to get rid of all those guys eventually. The, the, the team, it's... Okay, put it this way. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is more effective in terms of if you want to win. Agree. I think that I don't. Well, I think that Jared Allen's better than DeAndre Jordan, and agree. Kyrie Irving forced DeAndre Jordan onto that team. Yeah, we touched base on that. Yeah. In the great. Yeah. That was one of the most ridiculous signings it in the offseason. Like, like arguably the worst signing in the offseason. And look at right now. Like they're nothing without. Dur- I don't even think when Durant gets back, like next year, I think there will be teams like Milwaukee, the Heat, the Raptors. I. I'm so skeptical of this experiment with Durant and Kyrie because every single time Kyrie's on the floor, this year at least, it seems like that he's shooting them in the foot. He he shoots when he's not... Everything he does, like honestly, Spencer Dinwiddie to me is just way more effective. He's much smarter. Like I've heard a couple... You heard about those Dinwiddie dollars? Yeah. He's trying to actually... Yeah. Has his own shoe label? Like there are so many... How could you be a fan of Kyrie Irving? People, how are you fans of this man? How is he second right can now in all star voting? But can you how? be because of his game, right? Of and one, yeah, uh, the stylistics that he plays with. Well, right? let's not ignore his talent. Like he's arguably the best ball handler in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, sure. What? Yeah, probably the most talented, efficient three point well, shooter, inside outside, great left hand, great playmaker. Yeah, you know what I mean. He has all the tangibles you want out of a point guard, except has, leadership. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but in the modern His NBA, stats are okay. In in the modern NBA, like it's all about right. Like, can you put the ball in the basket, right? Um, and what we've seen, right, is that teams are like, especially in this modern like celebrity era of athletes, like you have guys that separate themselves from the from like look how the Houston Rockets play. Those guys never get to touch the ball. Like they just run up and down the court defending, right, and spacing the floor for James Harden, right. But that's what it is because it's all about the championship. And mind, that's not leading to a championship. I was going to say, who's, who's going no, to the championship right. with those strategies? Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Moving down the list, we got the second uh, fuck topic. Kyrie. Fuck <laughs> The second uh, conversation <laughs> for quarter two of the general NBA news. So um, coming up to trade deadline, not, not like fast approaching, but coming up relatively soon. I'm a lot excited. of rumors surrounding potential trade targets. There's already been two trades within the last week or so. Uh, just an update. Kent Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver went to, uh, oh God. Who's Ariza playing for? Sons? The Kings. Kings. God damn it. Fuck this Kings up. Ken Bazemore and Tolliver yes. to the Kings for Trevor Ariza, Kale yeah. Swanigan, and Wen Young Gabriel and two future seconds. So Portland Trailblazers getting a little bit of front court sort of wing help in Trevor Ariza. And then another trade, Jeff Teague and Trevion Graham were traded to Atlanta Hawks for backup uh, for Alan Crabb. Um, so what are your thoughts about each of these trades? Uh, Graph, winners, losers. Uh, any takeaways? Uh, not, honestly, they're both kind of win-wins. Both both trades, I think, for all four teams. I, I, I really don't. For Portland, they're alleviating cap space. It's cap space. There goes yeah. their there goes their luxury tax cut in half. You know, you get to keep Trevor. You get Trevor Reza. Not not bad. Again, like yeah. kind of looking I mean, for a swingman. He's gotten worse in the last. Yeah, I was gonna say years. it's a reason maybe two years too late. For I that agree. Team. I agree. But. but you're he giving could probably up, still hit the three. You're also giving up Kent Bazemore. It's, Who hasn't was, really worked there. He's taken a lot of minutes and hasn't really done a lot. And then the other trade, honestly, I've been a I'm, I'm a pretty big Hawks fan. I don't know why. But No, they're entertaining. To see honestly, to see Jeff Jeff Teague all of a sudden and and Alan Crabb, that swap, it's it's interesting. I think it's gonna be really good, honestly, for Minnesota more more so than anything else. Yeah. Um, just because they need that. But it, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Already a couple of rumors circling the league. We'll go over five really quickly. Uh, Derek Rose, potentially a target for the Sixers and Lakers. What's the validity of this rumor? And do you think he would improve each uh, aforementioned organization? Hmm. Um, 
I don't know. You know, the funny thing is that both those teams have problems with their outside shooting. I mean, I don't know actually about the Lakers you've called a problem yet, but I would think that whoever those teams pick up, you'd want them to be able to space the floor a little better. Um, but I've said it, I've, I was on this podcast now for a while saying, I think the Lakers need another ball handling, playmaking guard, uh, to kind of alleviate some of the pressure on one LeBron James. Look, in my mind, Derrick Rose is completely underrated this year. Oh yeah. He's been great. He's only averaging 26.1 minutes per game. And that's the reason in my mind, because he's again, he's 18.4 points, 5.8 assists, 2.4 rebounds. But look at his, his per is tw- almost 23 and his usage, usage is over 31%. Wow. He, they're, u- they're basically giving him the ball, letting him do whatever he wants. It's like kind of almost like old Derrick Rose minus 10 minutes a night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that comes off the bench, and again, I hate Rondo more than anything. Mm-hmm. So if you're replacing that Rondo style with a scoring style now all yeah. of a sudden, shit, the Lakers look dangerous. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I think a it's a better upper. fit for the Lakers. Well, obviously yes. their issue was, you know, secondary scoring, yes. bench depth, and getting a guy that's in sort of carry the second unit yes. is something that would be very interesting. Graf, and what's your uh, thoughts on the Miami Heat? Uh, obviously a very surprising team doing extremely well in the Eastern Conference this season. Uh, many people are saying that, you know, maybe they're one player away from actually contending for the championship. What do you see them doing? Are there anyone, any players on that roster you see them offloading? And what kind of targets do you think they would go after? I wouldn't want to touch the roster right now. They're doing so well. It's been unexpected. I think you almost kind of rolled what they have. The only thing I would look into is future contracts expiring. And Dion Waiters? Oh, God. Dion Waiters can... I mean, again... Try to find a home for him? The, the only... For them, again, it'd be like the Kelly Olenek's of the world. It'd be like... Yeah. Maybe uh, Goran Dragic, but again, Goran Dragic is another one of those players I think is completely underrated in this and good, league. and he, he fits. Um, yeah, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robertson, Dunkers, like they've all fit he, this system perfectly. He seemed like a uh, like a Drew Holiday type of team. Like they may then be one of the, their targets. Yeah, I I don't know um, if you would want because I mean they just might want to see what they can do this year and then next year look to upgrade because they also have a lot of young guys. Well, that's well. the thing, right? They do have a lot of young guys, and obviously there has been a little, um, you know, restructuring in minutes. Guys like Duncan Robinson have been playing absolutely fantastic. That three. kid can shoot, man. You know, and, and, none, man. and who's not playing right now is Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow's getting no PT, especially if hero. Is Win- he, is Winslow he, might be injured? No, yeah. Winslow might be a trade chip. I think Winslow's back. I don't think I don't, I don't know, but he's a really good player. He's like, still he, injured. His back is still yeah. Because yeah. he he's someone that well yeah. There is a bit of a log jam there in Miami. They they could probably sacrifice some of that depth for another impact player. Like again, a guy like Drew Holiday, I think would move the needle for them and uh, helping them to compete with uh, the upper echelon of the East. Because right right now they're winning, but part of it comes down to like teams haven't known what to expect from them and they're out competing teams. Yeah, they're, they're, it's effort. Yeah, it's Miami. Effort. But but I mean, also, I mean, the Raptors have been a lot like that, too. So I would just worry about Jimmy Butler because, again, he is your star. He's the player you built this team around. You want to keep him happy. He came here as a free agent. You wouldn't want to go ahead and get someone who's arguably a, just as much of a ball dominant player as he is. Mm-hmm. You'd want to do something like you said, like a Drew Holiday. Who's yeah, a, a complimentary guy, complimentary still like all star level. Uh, uh, that's exactly where I'd go. And the only thing I can think of for that, 
again, they have such good one-two punches at every position. I love like Bam Adebayo. Kendrick Nunn, who's good at driving and shooting, and then all of a sudden, Goran Dragic hey, comes in. Bam Adebayo is is the is the only player I've seen in the league that can actually like nullify Pascal Siakam. So I got like some modern day big as well. Got right? some breaking news. Breaking news. Not about basketball, baseball. I just want to give a big shout out to Larry Walker, become the second Canadian ever to be elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, here you go. He did not think. Yeah, Larry, awesome. join the class of Derek Jeter. Already, uh, awesome. yeah, another rumor I kind of want to go over quickly. You know, we obviously saw the Minnesota Timberwolves offload Jeff T to Atlanta Hawks if he has some cap space. Um, right now, they're looking at Shabazz Napier as their starting point guard. So for me, one guy they're really pining after was in the offseason was D'Angelo Russell. Uh, do you guys see those trade talks heating up? I do. I mean, I saw D'Lo last night playing uh, playing in that crazy game against Portland. Uh, he was hitting shots from everywhere. Uh, he's got a lot of value left. I think D'Lo's underappreciated now that he's on the Warriors that are struggling in last place team. I think that, look, Minnesota has been looking at him for a long time. They seem to... Just him and the, him and Cat are good friends. I could just see them overpaying for someone like D'Lo. Like, I can see them, like reaching so hard because their owner wants like Sanders wants it so Sanders gets what he gets and I could just see them trying to go over the moon for someone like you think they would trade Wiggins for him I think they would put together a package that would give Golden State the assets to maybe acquire or have enough space for Greek Freak in 2021 but what's the benefit of them uh, of those teams making that trade now like is window closing on Carl Anthony Towns him wanting to get out of the team him being upset with the the uh, yeah coaching and the, the losing the open right. door the head coaching the leadership the losing etc yeah um, all right another rumor I kind of want to go over really quickly is uh, Andre Drummond potentially moving out of Detroit uh, Atlanta Hawks team graphing likes quite a bit seems like a pretty logical suitor for them what's your impression of that? not yet uh, he's a free agent at the end of the year there's literally no point you're not he's he's going to be probably one of the more coveted free agents because there's you can go, they can go after him bus, then if they but want they have him. all the money in the world there's literally also, no point in them giving up the pick they got I think it's from Brooklyn at a top 10 pick probably there's no point in giving that extra first round pick you don't even know how Drummond and Collins will coexist in the front court two big guys as well um, Greg else? Greg, last topic lasting for trade rumors uh, Greg what's the value of Kyle Kuzma as a trade chip I think it's well depends who you talk to right because he's in LA and like he has a lot like there people know him uh you could say it's high because of his name recognition but i don't know if like g what gms around the league see him as in terms of a commodity right like how valuable he actually mm-hmm. is mind you if the lakers do want to go out and get like i'm not talking about a derrick rose player but again we keep talking about like a drew holiday type player like, i think that would be the best if they just complete that like pelicans lakers swap right and give all the right all those guys um there to the pelicans but that he could be like like what if they traded him to the spurs for demar Derozan or something like that right like he could be the piece that 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 gets the lakers because right now he is not a third option i don't see him as a legit third scorer maybe, maybe he's too young and he hasn't found that yet and maybe i'm i'm saying that too prematurely but he's just he's too streaky you know what i like i like a like a potential philadelphia lakers mutual beneficial trade of maybe like a kuzma for like Horford or Kuzma something else for Horford or something Horford, like that. after you just pick him up. Well, think about it. Kuzma would be the perfect fit alongside Joel Embiid. Horford would come in and play the center position, probably the, the weakest position for the Lakers if DeMarcus Cousins is going out. 
Throwing out mm. hypotheticals here. It wouldn't be a one for one. It'd be Kuzma picks and a prospect for him, but yeah, throwing it out there. Alrighty, um, going to quarter number three. I don't know how many of us have a take. Take shop. Take shop. Uh, I got a take. Uh, Greg, do you got a take? I got a few takes. All right. Uh, I'm here to want- criticize your takes. All right. I'm, oh, obviously. <laughs> uh, Greg, go first, buddy. Look, and I, and I kind of said this earlier. Straight up, Norman Powell is the best scorer on the Raptors. Am I crazy? That to say Norman Powell is the best scorer on the Toronto. It, 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 it seems scored, like a very vague statement, to be honest with you. He scores the ball. He's, he scores the ball better than any other Raptor. He is the best scorer. So he's the best at adapting on in any situation. He puts the ball in the net. Okay, right. The best. Well, I mean, better than aver- Siakam, better than Lowry, better than... Well, I know, because Siakam averages points. more points than him, so That's maybe right, Siakam's how many, how many, <laughs> how many shots does Siakam get, though? More shots, Well, then I you're saying he's a more efficient scorer. But That's what I'm a, seeing now from Powell... He's play. I live in, He's playing like he's the best scorer on the Raptors. Yeah. Best pure scorer. It's a bit of a recency bias. Like no. Siakam play makes right. Sure. Yeah. No. No. I agree. But if you adjust per thirty six minutes, for example, more wow, more efficient score. Crazy. I'll give you that. I'll give you more efficient score. It's not a better score though. But he is shooting a blistering forty one percent from three and fifty percent from the field. How, so do you got the sh- uh, stats there? Like how? I do. So Norman Powell is averaging 51.3 from the field. He's averaging 41.8 from three on 5.2 attempts. And what about Siakam? How many shots a game does Siakam get? (laughs) How many shots a game? Yeah. Like that's how you would, right? Like Uh, Siakam just has volume over him right now. So he averages about 13.4 two-point attempts a game. Norman Powell averages six. Uh, Three-point attempts per game. Pascal averages six. Norman averages five. Yeah, but look, right now, the way that Norm is playing, it's like training him might just be crazy because you're like, oh, my God, this guy finally found his potential. He's like our best scorer. It's a four-game sample. It's more. It's over the past, I would say, since, since he came back from injury, which yeah. is like a month. All righty. Um, Memphis it's a, hot, it's a hot take, all right. But he played good before the injury, too. He was playing like this. I know, but he's averaging 15 points per game. But that's only because he started the year so poorly. That's still part of his career. But that's psycholo- That's because he didn't get the minutes and stuff. That's the all, every part this of his career a, up until now. It seems now. like he's a new player. See, now I'm the one fighting for Powell. That's the take. It's just Norman Powell seems like a new player. Norman! I, uh, um, Norman! So... I think for like even we did our sort of yearly projections. And I think for a lot of us, Memphis Grizzlies were a bottom feeder. Currently, right now, as they stand, they've won eight of their last ten. They're twenty and twenty-three and sitting in eighth place in the Western Conference. Um, obviously, Jam Moran has been playing fantastic. Runaway Rookie of the Year, Delon Brooks, fantastic wing, fifteen points per game. Valanciunas looks He's like been the, killing it. Yeah, the, the team has Brendan Clark, incredible. You know, late first draft pick. The, the the take I'm going to make right now, and I think Graffin kind of knows where I'm coming from. Jaron Jackson Jr. is the best big man and is going to be the best big man from that 2018 draft. Including DeAndre Aiden and Marvin Bagley. And uh, Mo Bamba's uh. <laughs> whole different conversation. Aiden, ba- Bagley, no discussion about this. Aiden, maybe potentially, but Aiden is very one dimensional, low post, big brute. Uh, doesn't really have the fluidity that Jaron Jackson has, especially as a defender. Um, I know it was hyped on the sky when the draft was coming down. And in retrospect, my two dogs are looking good Luka Doncic, Jaron Jackson. Obviously, Trey Young is up there as well. And Shea Gillis Alexander. But for me, where I stand right now, Jaron Jackson Jr. is the best big man from that draft and arguably the third best player from that draft. Uh, yeah, I I think that's accurate. Graf? I think Dondre Ayton's still number one. I mean, again, look at the numbers. 
Yeah. You know, Numbers don't tell watched, anything. What do you What do you mean? They're I averaging the same Aiden. average right now. I haven't watched Aiton enough to judge him. But you mentioned how he's a bit of a like he plays like a brute style kind of, but he's really thin. So it's like he he seems like a hybrid between like a power big and a finesse big. He doesn't he doesn't seem like he's found his groove yet. Like since he's come back, the Suns haven't been winning. They were winning more with uh, Baines at center. With Baines at center. Yeah, when he was playing center, the Suns were winning. That's true. I mean, again, like the way that they space the floor and everything. But again, yeah. like, look at the like Aiton's numbers before he got injured. Like, he was he was absolutely crushing, and then all of a sudden the P. Who knows? I mean, again, PEDs. Obviously, he did something. So it's unfair to say that yeah. he's number one because he had an advantage, um, and was picked number one. But in my mind, again, like I like to look at per, I guess, as like a good stat for everything. And if you look at just simply, can you define the, that for some player efficiency concerns? rating? Yeah, it's just your player efficiency. So again, it's a number of like your points and your assists. And it's a minus. It's like an aggregate calculation of various stats. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And again, Aiton does have a higher one. Um, he doesn't shoot the three at all. So I think but that's it's fine. A, and Jackson has a better effective field goal percentage than Aiton as well, even though he does shoot the three. Yeah, so again, I think that they just suit their role on their teams fairly well. But again, So question for you. If you took each of these guys, Aiden and Jackson, okay, side by side, and you slid them on every single roster and you simulated an 82-game season, what team what team would be better off with each respective guy? Because me, it's no question about it. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s defense and his versatility would make any team substantially better. I mean, again, if you put on the Warriors last year, DeAndre Ayton would undoubtedly be better than Jared Jackson. How? Because he gets more rebounds and kicks. Like, what do you mean? How? He does exactly what. Jackson is a monster rebounder if they ask him to be a rebounder. Currently, he's averaging, what, five and a half rebounds per game or something. But the guy chills on the high post. That's my point. But I'm saying good for their team. But the point I'm I'm making is that he's more versatile. He can play that Ayton role. Ayton can't play that that Jackson role. We've Hmm. never seen that before. How do you know? Because look at Jared Jackson can play the role of a defensive because he did it in college. So you're going to. okay. so just to confirm here, you're going off of college stats working in the NBA. No, I'm not. I'm not basing it up in here. I'm not basing it on college. I'm not. I'm not basing it on college stats. I'm basing it on the fact that he has a hypothetical upside or that potential to facilitate that role. Aiden never did that in college. So I can never say and sit here that he has a potential to be that type of player that Jackson is now. Sure. Just so our listeners know that, I mean, this goes back with these two, uh, back to the, what was it, the 2018 draft? 2017 draft. 2018, 2018. So there's a a long-standing... If I was a Toronto Raptors, I would rather have Jaron Jackson (laughs) Jr. than Trey Young. Go on with that. That's my last hot take. Okay, I got to I got to take the Portland Trail Blazers will miss the playoffs. The Portland Trail Blazers will miss the playoffs at this point. Okay, so, that's, so I have another. I'm just going to throw one in there, but oh, mine kind of kind of goes off yours uh, in a way. I think Zion coming back is going to push the Pelicans into into the playoffs. The playoffs. Yeah. Okay, and that's not really a hot take, I guess. But like, no, okay. in my mind, right now they're sitting not very high. I know that for a fact. They're not that far back though, numbers wise. But technically, the Pelicans are 12th right now in the West. Yeah, yeah but like in terms of games back, they're they're within striking distance of the eight seed. Here's okay, but they got to jump the Spurs. And my other hot take is that wow the Spurs. Well, listen, no. Well, the, well, but the Spurs. <laughs> hey, hey, the Spurs have the, actually the Spurs have been in the playoffs how many years in a row? So, right, and they haven't gone on their rodeo trip yet, yet, which is within Spurs culture a big deal. It kind of gets them going, right? Uh, and that connects to our next hot hot take here. I think the Spurs uh, are going to make a big move at the trade deadline. I think they have to if they if they want to be serious about. 
not like making the playoffs, but being able to even win a game or two against whoever they play. They've always wanted to get a point guard. It seems like always. Chris Paul, Chris Paul man. I know, but I don't know if like, ah, Chris Paul how, for how a, money for work? for uh, Murray. Money that does not work for money. No, but I mean, there's always dude. Money. We could trade Norman Powell no. for Chris Paul. Dude, at another no. point. Just, <laughs> no, I mean they're gonna have to add a bunch of salaries and stuff to make it work, right? But it forty-four, can, it's tough to move. It's they just resigned Murray. Tons of teams right now looking at Chris Paul, and they're all pretty much saying, if you don't opt out of that last year of player option, we cannot. And trade he for said you. that he will and not. Today do it. he said, I'm not opting out of it. So I, how, how many more years? I think we move it? on it's, from Chris Paul. It's, it's the uh, next. It's next year and the year after, right? Yeah, I think next year's the last year in the contract, and then these player options. A player so option. More, so Chris, Chris Paul next year, this year he's making 38, next year he's making 41, <laughs> and he's a player option on 21, 22 for 44.2. 44 You know, million. you got to figure, though, you know, if they old. can, like, talk to me, like, hey, you know, okay, if you... He stated today he's not going to do it. He stated today he's not going to do it. But listen, like, if you're a team that's no, but listen. Him, <laughs> you get in contact with him, and you go, like, look, and we'll guarantee, and we can, like, we'll resign you for something for longer term. Listen, you could be a San Antonio spur. You can be in buttfuck nowhere in Texas, and you, and maybe you can take, like, what? What's and the incentive? Live in fucking nowhere and not make $42 million? Want to play second fiddle to James Harden again? Well, you'll be the second most popular team in Texas. Well, look, that's because you're a socialist doesn't mean everyone has to abide by your absurd political hey man, perspectives. Look, look, if if Chris Paul wants to win, right? And maybe he doesn't. Maybe maybe the money's more important to him than the winning. Thunder are better than the Spurs. What but are we not talking about? Win a championship. Are then the, the Spurs are gonna win a championship? Yeah, I guess you're, you're telling right. me the Spurs have a better shot than winning a championship I, than the Thunder. Th- I think this year the the Spurs will end up higher than the win, Thunder. Guys. Well, no shit, Sherlock. I'm I just saying this Chris is Paul, a stupid debate. I think if Chris Paul is on the Spurs, it gives them a shot against like anybody, I think, to win. If they don't subtract DeRozan and Lamarcus, you mean? Like, yeah, like like to have those three, I think they that. have at least a chance. It's an old big. That's an old big three. Yeah, but it is well, you know, in the playoffs, it takes veteran it's guys. Like saying to like, win, what if right? Chris Paul goes to the Suns? Suns are one game back behind the Spurs right now. Are they are they going to win the championship? No, but Chris Paul fits within the Spurs timeline of like the next couple of years of these players, right? Unless yeah, but they is just that, hit the but, reset button. But even if he does go to that, like, he doesn't team, fit in OKC. Are they even a championship contender? Even if they get the like, I just that's right. what we're saying. I think that they would be able to compete against any team in the playoffs with with those three guys, right? Yeah. I, I mentioned that Miami's probably not going to make any moves earlier, but that makes way more sense to me for like a team like Miami. Miami, get rid of your young assets and then get Chris Paul, who's more of a ball passer than a or, scorer, and there he'll compliment Jimmy Butler, and who knows, maybe we'll do something, right? Yeah. Like, but I, on the Spurs, uh, I don't know. I think the money just doesn't like it's everything. Just it's tough. You're you're not wrong that I'm they're just make a, trying to think up places where he could go that would uh, uh, move the needle, like that need him. Right, that would that would fit with him, right, and that it could help move the needle a bit. See, they've been target. They were targeting what's his name, uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, for quite some time before mm-hmm. that. I don't know why. I could see the Spurs going after Andre Drummond. I don't know why. There's t- the Spurs are like the team that does what everyone else doesn't. So yeah, you know but that's I mean? why I think that they're going to make a trade because they never make a trade, and because that whole thing with with Marcus uh, or Marcus Morris, right? That's why they get really fucked. They got rid of Bertans to bring in Morris. Morris doesn't sign with them, and then they have and to Bertans sign Trey to Lyles. And killing it. Yeah. Hey, right? don't talk shit about Trey Lyles. And both though, I know, I know, but both those other guys are killing it this year, right? So Wiggins and the Spurs could have really used that. Fuck Wiggins. Who's the best? <laughs> who's the best Canadian right now in the in in the world? Shea Gales Alexander. Yeah. yeah. Or, I mean, it's right Palmer's now. Palmer's injured. It's, it's shit. I mean, 
St- he's still a basketball. Who's player. the best scorer in out of all of them? Jamal Murray? Jamal Murray, yeah. You think he's a better scorer than Wiggins? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And who's the best best defensive? I mean, or who's the best uh, future? The future is definitely Shea. Fe- see, there is a tricky question because RJ is gonna eventually. Oh yeah, RJ. RJ's oh, I don't know. RJ's playing like pretty good. shit right now. Like, I know he's on the Knicks. Historically bad number. You can't again, do anything but exactly. play like shit for the Knicks. I agree. I think that his his development has been. Marquise stunned. Morris is putting up all star numbers. What are you talking about? No yeah, one can do exactly. anything with the Knicks. Marcus Morris, Whatever. not Marquise. Potato, potato. The Raptors should go after one of the Morris brothers. The the better one should we go after uh, Marcus Morris? Ah, maybe not. I don't know so, how it would fit. So RJ Shockman's position. RJ Barrett shooting about ooh, let's say thirty one percent from three, twenty four percent from the mid 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 range two pointer. Yikes! Yeah, it's pretty yeah. bad. All right, uh, we're going to the gripe. We'll be back in a second. Alrighty, we're gonna finish the podcast off with Greg's gripe. I know we mentioned uh, this earlier, talking about Kyrie Irving. I know you have a very sort of specific take on the situation, more rooted uh, toward you know Sean Marks's um, remolding of the organization in the offseason, sort of losing its sort of uh, scrappy identity they sort of cultivated within the last couple of years, especially in lieu of the uh, the, the King three draft pick trade, um, not having. Any picks or have to think methodically outside the box. Um, what's your impression of this organization and how they sort of stole their soul, more or less? Well, that's just it, right? I mean, I've spent the last three years on this podcast shitting on the Brooklyn Nets, right? In the wake of their uh, knee-jerk reaction, trying to get... Appease Kit- Mikhail Prokhorov. Uh, yeah, exactly, King, right? right? And you... Right, you stood your ground, and you finally got me to be a believer. Right, last year I didn't believe in them. I didn't think that they were going to get uh, get in the playoffs. Last year, yeah, this is last year, right? You know, they brought in D'Angelo Russell. He's a prima donna, but developed some great talent. Guess by yeah, Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, Jared Allen, not having any, you know high picks. You know, getting they played hard and they played together. Mm-hmm. Right, and I mean, you said it right, like Sean Marks, I. You know, did he think this was going to work? Did he think that by bringing in these guys, right? Some of the most, you know, I, I mentioned that Russell is a is a prima donna. I don't know what that makes Kyrie mm-hmm. and Kevin, right? But they've essentially sold their soul, right? Like they're not the Brooklyn Nets anymore. Well, it's they're, an interesting. It's an interesting decision because you know Sean Marks, you know, coming from you know the Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford sort of uh, school of exactly. building an organization. You know, you look what they did when it comes to sort of assembling a team, and you know they always pick team first guys, selfless individuals, Tony Parker, Man Ginobili, Tim Duncan, guys who are willing to you know to sacrifice minutes and individual accolades for the betterment of the team. And it seems like Sean Marks is doing something that's kind of opposite toward what made San Antonio great. You know, Brooklyn maybe emulated that sort of team identity last year, but this year it's, you know, completely different and you're seeing what's happening with Kyrie like we were talking about earlier. Well, right. Look, there's two pieces here, right? There's uh, Over the course of the past week, uh, his, his two separate comments. First, after losing a game, right, you come out and you basically put your teammates on blast Right. By telling the media that, you know, we don't have enough. And then you list a bunch of guys. Right. And say we need to build around those guys. Mind you, you don't even have you don't even have Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. And the season is still going on. Like your team is doing better last year without you. But you come out and complain about the team and that they're not doing enough because he know, knows about getting to that next level. No, you played, played with fucking LeBron James, man. That's what got you guys to that level. OK, but and, and then secondly, 
when you get criticized for it, and rightfully so, because it comes off, right, like you're an egomaniac and an asshole and a bad leader. Listen, okay, and then you have the audacity, right, on MLK Day to 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 reference to reference Dr. Martin Luther King and the criticism that he received and liken it to the criticism of the sports media for your bad leadership. There is no well, comparison there. And it is, it, well, we, we, as we, a white, as a, I'm not even a black man, okay? As a white man, that offends me, okay? Well, we'll go, we talked about this earlier, but kind of going back to the central focus about Shaw Marks and organizational build, um, you, you know, it, it seems like so many teams now are just sort of trying to emulate the sort of cliche, not cliche, but the standard idea of how to assemble a super team. Super team. You know, signing multiple superstars regardless of the current roster intact. You know what I mean? And it seems like a type of situation where, you know, that maybe wasn't the smartest decision. And I think a lot of people are sort of maybe taking this example, maybe have a come to Jesus moment and think to themselves, you know, do I stick with the core or do I just, you know what I mean, build this team around two fresh okay. faces? Like yeah. the Raptors, for example. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can like you imagine bringing in two superstars, you know what I mean, and sort of dealing with the, the tumult that would transpire, having to accommodate them with the already sort of pre- set sort of like strong core that they have? Same thing with Brooklyn. Well, listen, look, and, and, we, and I said this, I don't necessarily think that it was the wrong decision to bring them in because, look, if you get a chance to sign those two guys, bottom line is talent wins championships, right? And that's what it's all about. And, and, and keep in mind, you know, we still haven't seen the true... Like interpretation. Yeah, we of haven't. Katie's yeah. on the court. No, they're going to be really by good. Not by himself, but Kyrie's. You know what I mean. So they're they're going to be really good, right? But the issue is that now you have now you're between cultures, right? You've got these two egomaniacs up supposedly running things now, and you have the remnants of a team first mentality. Well, there's no better example of that when the team you elected aside DeAndre Jordan instead of you know sticking with Jared Allen, who's a perfectly competent starting center. And you want to invest in to make yourself better in the future instead of just appeasing these guys, right? But this is what I mean. Like, they're going to actually now just have to gut like a lot of their team because those guys are going to stop playing for Kyrie. It's just like last year when LeBron, like when it became obvious that LeBron was trying to trade like a bunch of those young Lakers and they just stopped working for him and covering up for him. Well, and- kind of like, kind of like, like look at Miami, for example. Yeah. Okay. Like Miami, in my opinion, is kind of similar to Brooklyn last year. Obviously, substantially better win wise. Obviously, they have Jimmy Butler, they play superstar. Hard. But exactly, they play hard. You know what I mean? And the inclusion game, of another superstar game. in that team, they would maybe lose their identity, lose that grit a bit. And the same thing is happening with Brooklyn is that they're losing their gritty identity because they're bringing this guy like Kyrie Irving, who, unlike Jimmy Butler, you know what I mean, seems more focused on individual accolades as opposed to wins and losses. Brooklyn Eagle Maniacs. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back next week, hopefully next week, with another podcast. Uh, you catch our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. Um, you have a fantastic week, Toronto. Peace out, D-Dot.